This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shana Roth, and I'm joined this week by none other than Bridge Michigan's finest and my former colleague at MLive, Lauren Gibbons. Lauren, welcome. Thanks for having me. I know a lot of people are focused on the top of the ticket races, governor, attorney general, and secretary of state, probably governor more than any other race. But I wanted to talk to you about the legislatures, specifically your recent piece saying that Democrats actually have a shot at controlling the Michigan legislature, which hasn't happened in decades. I think you said since Ronald Reagan was in office. So why are you thinking they have a shot? Yeah, well, certainly they are a lot closer than they have been in a long time, particularly in the state Senate, um, which is is really the crux here. I mean, the House are also trying to, but national groups, state groups are pouring millions and millions of dollars into these Senate races, uh, which is pretty significant considering all of the other races that are up for grabs this year. Uh, The fact that there is a ton of money going into these state Senate races is pretty indicative. And this is uh, in large part due to redistricting. Um, We saw the maps redrawn and in the state Senate, uh, that meant that on paper, Uh, The path to majority is very, very close. Republicans are also putting up a lot of cash to uh, try and protect the majority that they have retained uh, for several uh, sessions at this point. Um, And in the Senate, uh, it has been since the 80s, since the Democrats have had a majority there. So definitely not one to sleep on. A few years ago, Democrats were so excited for redistricting and the prospect of so-called fair maps. For some reason, it's burned into my brain that then Senate Democratic leader Jim Ananick told me, quote, if we get some fair maps next year, I'm going to wipe the floor with these clowns. Uh, Is redistricting working out like they thought it would? I mean, I think in the Senate, it's very, very tight. So it's it's definitely a better shot than they've had in a long time. Um, I know Senator Andenick and I have talked about this and he has said, you know, he thought that they got as far as they could get under the previous maps um, in terms of how many seats they could flip. And now there are there are state uh, there are state senate seats all over the state. Um, there's there's several seats to watch in various regions, um, and a lot depends on what happens uh, at the top of the ticket. Uh, how different issues that voters are that voters are coming out for impact these down ballot races. But it's a toss up in several in several areas that have not seen toss up races in a long time. So uh, for the Senate Democrats, especially, it's it's an opportunity. And then for Republicans, it's clearly a a challenge. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Shirky uh, told one of my colleagues that this is going to be the toughest battle they've had in a long time to retain that majority. So definitely the Senate is the one to watch. But the House is also pretty interesting. Uh, The uh, House Democrats are making similar bids. Um, it's spread out across a lot of other races, but um, Republicans in the House are a little more confident there. On paper, that map does trend a little bit more Republican. So they're hoping that if there's a you know if there's a push at the top and top of the ticket and some of these big congressional races, that the House um, you know could stay in Republican control. But House Democrats are also also trying at this point. 
There are three ballot proposals this year, one to change term limits, more to sort of shuffle around how long you can serve in each chamber than actually extending the limits, Uh, one to expand voter access, and one to ensure that the current status quo allowing abortion with lots of limits stands in Michigan. We've talked a lot on this show about how these initiatives could impact the governor's race, but I'm curious about the legislative races. Do you think these ballot proposals are going to have an impact or is it really going to be more the top of the ticket that impacts these races? You know, I think it could. We don't really know how the how the abortion ballot initiative is going to impact who turns out um, what level of turnout um, and, you know, if if that's going to benefit, um, you know, if that's going to benefit Democrats who are largely um, pro-abortion rights and or if that is going to benefit um, Republicans who are largely anti-abortion. That remains to be seen. I think of the three ballot initiatives that we're seeing, abortion has the most potential to impact how the state legislative races turn out and other races, frankly. Um, But yeah, in terms of the first two, um, I'm not sure that we're going to see, you know, as much people who are specifically coming out to vote because they want to change term limits or see greater (laughs) financial transparency, you know, as much as uh, as much as people like to talk about those issues. I think the the third proposal will be the one that potentially swings uh, swings voters' minds on these down ballot races. What are some of the key House and Senate races that we should be watching? There's several state Senate races that are in play right now. I think the Macomb County race with Kevin Hertel and Pamela Hornberger is a really big one. Uh, we're seeing some interesting. Uh, we're seeing some interesting uh, numbers uh, play out up in the Tri Cities area, Midland Saginaw Bay City. Um, that's going to be a really competitive race. Um, out in West Michigan, we've got a really competitive race with uh, David Legrand and uh, Mark Heisinga, who Mark Heisinga currently serves in the Senate. Dave Legrand is in the House right now. So there's areas all over the state that really could make a big difference in in the path to majority. And in the House, uh, one really big race to watch is actually the the 103rd district up in Traverse City area. Uh, That used to be a pretty solidly Republican seat. The incumbent is Jack O'Malley. And um, he has, you know, he's won the last two times and He's, he's trying to win again here, but the Democrats are putting up a lot of money in that race. Uh, there's and, and on paper, that district is almost 50-50 Democrats and Republicans now. So I would say watching how that race turns out is is could be a key indicator, although there's there's several other um, House races that could potentially be interesting. Uh, a lot of a lot of possibility that uh, some incumbents are you know, a little more vulnerable than perhaps they've been in previous election cycles. Before we leave the state legislature, I wanted to check in with you on non-election related legislative happenings. So the state legislature has been pretty quiet lately, but when the election is over, they're going to be in who knows what kind of a session. What are you expecting when they get back between the election and the end of the year? I know a lot of this is really based on who wins and who wins what, but I guess how how much are you are you able to prepare for what's coming up? 
Oh, I always prepare for a aggressive lame duck, regardless of who's in office. Um, I think it'll be interesting because we have a obviously a divided um Republican majority legislature and a Democratic administration. Um, so that's impacted over the last four years how much actually gets done before a session is over. Um, so I guess I guess we will see. Um how how much that impacts depending on who wins both the governor's race and who who claims the majority in both of these chambers um but but i i could expect a lot of activity right there's always a lot of activity before a session ends lawmakers trying to get their pet projects in before they're term limited out of office or you know the the leadership trying to get um, their main priorities through so um, at the very least there will be a lot of intrigue we'll see how much actually gets passed is there anything specifically that you've heard that lawmakers are planning to get done in that time period or any like special projects that they really need to get done no matter what you know, I'm not exactly sure like what will ultimately come up. I know that there's uh, some interesting legislation uh, regarding uh, Airbnb rentals that I know uh, my colleagues uh, covering business are watching. Um, we have seen a flurry of activity regarding economic incentives in the last several months, um, you know, whether there's more to be done there, we could see. Um, and, and certainly there's still um, you know, there's still Michigan is still in a pretty um, solid financial position in terms of money that's available uh, to spend uh, both in terms of a surplus and in terms of, you know, some federal boosts. So if uh, if a tax cut, for example, something that's been talked about uh, over the summer, especially uh, lawmakers and the governor uh, talked a lot about the possibility of cutting or pausing various taxes. Um, I could see a potential interest in getting something along those lines through. But um, as I said previously, it all just kind of depends on what shakes out over the election and what bubbles to the surface um, in terms of how things are going to go. Before we head out, let's talk a little bit about the governor's race. This week was the second and final debate between Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer and GOP candidate Tudor Dixon. I encourage everyone to go back and listen to the Mishmash episode from October 14th. That was specifically about the first debate. But talk to us about this second one. How did it go? Yeah, so this was the second debate. And uh, certainly we saw Governor Whitmer has had to had to fend off a pretty spirited challenge from uh, from Tudor Dixon on both on both the debate stages that they've participated in. You know, she's come out swinging on a lot of issues. Uh, you know, this this debate, uh, we did see a lot of, you know, substantive policy conversations. Uh, so that was interesting. My colleague Jonathan and I uh, did a did a fact check of several of these uh, several of these things. So occasionally both of them uh, stretch the truth at times and sometimes they landed uh, some zingers that uh, are based in facts. So I think uh, I think that there was a there's a, there was a lot to listen to and a lot for voters to chew on as we go into the election here. Now, all that said, certainly people have had the opportunity to vote absentee for several weeks at this point. So, um, you know, this this would largely be, you know, potentially influencing in-person voters or people who, you know, haven't uh, haven't quite turned in that absentee ballot yet. 
Did we learn anything new about either candidate or did we just get a lot of same old, same old? Um, I think we certainly heard a little bit more um, and candidates were expected to answer a little bit more on certain policy issues. Uh, one notable exchange was when uh, the governor asked uh, Tudor Dixon if uh, she's more concerned about books children are reading um, than guns in schools. That was an interesting moment. And then another interesting moment was when um was when the governor referred to how long schools were closed. Now, she um, and the DHHS had officially closed schools for three months. That's what she said on the debate stage. But certainly at the local level, many schools around Michigan opted to close in-person instruction for a lot longer than that. So uh, Tudor Dixon um Tudor Dixon mentioned that and that a lot of families were waiting for in-person instruction for a lot longer. So those were a couple of interesting moments that stood out to me and I think uh, potentially informed voters a little bit more. Um, And then there was also a moment where they were asked to say nice things about each other and both of them... (laughs) Both of them did compliment the other on being a mom on the debate stage. And that was kind of a nice thing to see. They were uh, they used that moment to be a little a little complimentary during what's been a very divisive uh, political uh, differences over the course of this election cycle. I always have such mixed feelings about that type of question, because on the one hand, it's like, this is really kind of cheesy and lame. But on the other hand, it is nice to say, you know, okay, you two, let's find something nice that we like about each other. Right, right. Um, you know, I guess I guess I share that opinion in terms of mixed feelings about whether I would ask it personally. But it is always nice to hear if... Uh, people do have nice things to say. Um, I, I did see it. I believe it was an M live story um, that the attorney general candidates did not have anything nice to say <laughs> about each other, which I think is also telling, right? Yeah. If, if no one has anything nice to say is a point for voters to consider. Absolutely. We are very much in the home stretch here to the election. At this point, have both sides succeeded in getting their messages out, both during the debate and throughout the course of the campaign? I think I saw that uh, Tudor Dixon's campaign is putting a huge amount of money into some last minute ads. How have they been doing throughout all of this? And is it enough at the end? Sure. I think at this point, um, at this point, the challenge for the governor is to turn out people who are likely to vote for her. Certainly, she's been in office for four years. People are not necessarily there's there's not going to be a lot of undecided voters on Governor Whitmer. Now, Tudor Dixon's challenge is to get her name out there and to pose an alternative um, for some of these independents or people who might uh, might lean her direction uh, if if given the opportunity to do so now she's had a little bit more uh, she's had a little bit more recognition since the two debates uh, we'll see what the polls are showing us after the second debate um, as as a point of interest and then um, the other thing too is you know Governor Whitmer has, massively outspent Tudor Dixon at this point in the cycle. It will be very interesting to see the latest uh, campaign finance numbers and, you know, just just how 
much Tudor Dixon is able to swing the needle to try and get her message out in advertising, um, get out the votes. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of balls up in the air, but at this point, uh, certainly, the governor has an edge in fundraising and name recognition. Lauren Gibbons, reporter with Bridge, Michigan. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Mishmash. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always good to be here.